What's going on, film family? Before we get started, I want to talk to you about something, and that's Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Hold on, let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more places. And you can also make money from your podcast. I know that's the part that's the part that everyone's going to like. You can make money with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's get to the show. In a land far, far away, not really, two brave souls unite. Unite to embark on a mission to review the greatest films, or at least somewhat watchable. Join in on the journey with the professionally unprofessional film critics, the Film Bros. This product is rated B for badass. Six girls, four parents, and a partridge in a pear tree. Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. Yeah. Welcome aboard flight 1275 I forgot to close the garage, that's it. No, that's not it. What else can we be forgetting? Kevin! This is my house. I have to defend it. Yes! Somebody pick up. Pick up! Do you speak English? I got a feeling this is gonna be your best Christmas ever. Well, well, well. That was, if anyone didn't couldn't tell by that opening song, we're here to discuss Home Alone. This is one of the a classic like this is this is a period point blank this is a classic this is our mini sold for this week i'm your host ceo hayes and i'm joined by my brother in the building mr jb himself what's going on <laughs> bro i am so first of all what is going on film family it is your boy the prodigal one jb and as you can tell i am absolutely excited to talk about this this movie home alone it's like one from my childhood and I mean, when you're talking about, we're going to get into all of it, but when you're talking about Christmas movies, if you don't have this movie in your rotation that you watch every year, you're tripping because this is one of the greats. Yeah, this definitely is one of the greats. And something like, A, it's one of those movies that if you're an 80s, 90s baby, you know, like, you know this movie. Um, But even more than that, like, I had never, 
Like, because it came out when we were so young, I never, like, looked at box office. I never knew who, that Chris Chris Columbus directed this movie. I didn't know any of this until getting ready for this review because I just didn't give a fuck. Like, I was, right. I, I was four years old when this movie came out. I honestly did not care. But, um... So just off the top, like I guess, we'll, like we'll we'll start about stuff that we usually end with, just to get it out of the way because I'm sure we're just yeah. gonna have fun talking about this. The budget on this one, 18 million. The box office, 476 million in 1990. That would that would be close to a billion at this point now, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, with, with you know, we're talking inflation, everything is just phenomenal. The success of this movie, and I mean, it, like you said, uh, the budget was what 18 million, right? Yeah. The average budget in 1990 was, I, I looked it up, it was like 30 million. So this is way under budget. Um, we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that they did, you know, to, to help with that budget. But the movie was so freaking successful. And I, you know, I happened to look it up. Overall, it's the fifth highest grossing comedy ever. It's, right, it's uh, you know, right after uh, Hangover Part 2, Meet the Fockers, uh, Les Intouchables, which I have no idea what the fuck that even is, and Bruce Almighty. And then at number five, it's that with like almost half a billion dollars, which is phenomenal. Damn, I, yeah, that's crazy. I would I wouldn't have thought that at all. That's that's wild. Um, but I mean, do we even need to say give the premise at this point? If you don't know what the fuck the premise to Home Alone is, where the fuck have you been been living? My kids were born in the fucking two thousand from two thousand and six to fucking two thousand and thirteen. They know what this movie is. Let me give the premise real quick. Okay. Chaw gets left home alone and shit ensues. That's it. That's the premise. Yeah, and (laughs) that is the premise. Um, So, like, he gets the fact that he gets left alone. So, I guess the thing that we should we should talk about this is uh, so Kevin McAllister, which is the main character in this movie, he is kind of the outcast of his family. One night before Christmas, he wishes that his family would disappear. It happens by chance. They are all supposed to go to France. They leave him because they count the neighbor's kid. And like you said, craziness ensues that first day when he woke up, you can't tell me that that is not exactly what you thought you would do. The moment, if you were ever left alone for a few days by yourself, like, yeah, the sadness and everything was set in, but that first 12 hours, at least to 24 hours is you're in heaven. Oh, absolutely. First of all, I'm eating everything in the pantry and I'm watching every single movie that I'm not allowed to watch. And that's literally all I'm doing for literally the first like 24 hours. That's all I'm doing. Going to bed whatever time I want. And it's probably like 95 percent of kids dreams just to be able to run roughshod alone, like home alone by yourself. So, yeah, I mean, and then like growing up for me and watching this movie, like for one, this used to be the movie that if I was homesick, if we had a snow day. I will pop this motherfucker in every single time. And like you think like when he's sitting there having like that ice cream concoction he makes with like mushrooms, I mean not mushrooms, with marshmallows and everything in it. I'm just like, yeah, this is the fucking life, bro. Yeah, but I would have I would have been friggin' I would have had a number one a bad friggin' stomach king and I would have been shitting for days with all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised he didn't have diabetes after this. Um I know. But yeah, and so in the course of him being home alone, there are two burglars who had planned to like rob every house in the neighborhood who were just like these people, the McAllisters were supposed to be gone. They eventually figure out he's there and everyone knows how this movie ends. Like the traps like I told you before, bro, like you got to check out the videos. Like there's this whole conspiracy videos that say that Kevin McAllister grew up to be Jigsaw from Saw. I it's believe crazy. And I can see it. I can 100% see it. He, the way he likes to set his booby traps and the way Jigsaw did his booby traps, 
A hundred percent. You you know you mentioned the 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 the, uh, the, the robbers. It's um, Daniel Stern and uh, the legendary Joe Pesci. Yeah. So it's crazy because this movie was 1990. This same freaking year, Joe Pesci won a freaking Oscar. I don't remember if it was an Oscar or a Golden Globe for his portrayal in freaking Goodfellas. I know. And he does that character in Goodfellas, which is a phenomenal character. Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies. To this, it's so crazy. But just to give you, you know, you see an idea of his depth and and his, you know, how versatile he is that he could play like a, a bumbling idiot in one movie and be like a hard-nosed criminal in another movie. Yeah, Joe Pesci, who's like almost typecasted for his cold career is like the gangster, the 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 mean short guy. Like to see him in this movie to be such, like you said, an idiot and a chump, this in the sequel is just fucking hilarious. And then uh, Daniel Stern, too, who was a, a pretty successful stand-up comedian, right? I believe so. I mean, the one thing that I know him know him from was for any '80s kids or even '90s kids, you'll know the show, The Wonder Years. He was the one that did the narrative voice of of Kevin Arnold. Oh um, wow! I didn't he, know that. He yeah, he did the voice. And the only other movie I know him from, I mean, this movie was a bomb, so people probably don't even know what this is. But I'm a basketball fan, so I know it was a movie called Celtic Pride with Damon oh, Wayans. That, wait, that was a bomb. I'm pretty sure it was. Oh I mean, shit! Uh, we watch that in my house all the time. I, uh, I had the shit on VHS. Yeah. So, yeah. And City Slickers. He was also in City Slickers. Let's oh, not was he? That. Okay, yeah. I don't even remember that. Yeah. You, you don't remember City Slickers? You oh my god, that was so. That was like so long ago. Freaking out. <laughs> what's the guy's name? What's the dude's name? Uh, from City Slickers. Yeah, I don't remember. Character? I don't. I don't remember. Fuck. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, City Slickers too. But uh. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't even know. Like, it's hard to like talk about this movie and break it down from like a plot standpoint. So, fuck it. Let's just talk about it, man. It's a mini so We're gonna let our hair down. Let's do every episode anyway. Exactly. Fuck it. Um. So, what? What was your favorite movie from the uh, moment from this movie? Because I I know mine. What was yours? My favorite scene. Oh man, this is rough, man. Because I love everything. Um. I would have to say maybe the I don't I don't know, bro. But I enjoyed like his little. His little monologues in front of the in front of the mirror when he after he finished taking a shower, okay. those were enjoyable. The scene when he was inside the grocery store having to talk with that the was, yeah. with the cashier, that shit was funny. Um, every time he yelled, but I mean, if I had to pinpoint, I would probably say the stuff that that I found most hilarious was probably the scene with the uh, cashier at the grocery store. Mine was uh, it was two. So like, it's not really a scene, but it's a moment like him being afraid of the furnace in the basement. Yeah. It, it because there was something in our garage and that's we didn't have a like a furnace or anything but in, in, in our garage like we used to keep our deep freezer in the garage but my dad like would hold like before we turned it into the den that's where like all his shit would be like his mechanic shit and everything and i just remember like going in there with it being just a little bit lit up like light coming in from the crack of the door like it would just look like there's all types of creatures and shit in there ready to get you. So as a kid, that would freak me out. So like that moment just reminds me of that. But outside of that, it's um, it's uh, damn it, where, where was I going with this? <laughs> it, it's favorite scenes. Yeah, favorite scenes. So it was the moment where um, he's he's he the old man where like the man tries to talk to him and he looks at him dead in his face, screams and runs the fuck off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was outside, right? <laughs> yeah, outside. Only because we had a neighbor. Her name was Miss Shirley. And I remember, like, like 
exactly, Miss Shirley. So you guys can whatever you're picturing, that's what she looked like. Um, but <laughs> I she, have a pretty good idea. I remember, she, but she was a smoker. She used to always be out outside on her porch smoking, and so she had that uh, uh, voice. Oh, yeah. And one year for Halloween, she was sitting out there, and she like dressed up as something, and like she she. She was sitting down in the chair and had like the candy dish in her in her thing. And so as you reached your hand in the candy dish, she would get up and you. I didn't know it was her. I looked at her dead in her face, screamed and ran off like that. So it just reminded me of that. Yeah, see, fuck all that. That bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny you talk about shit that scared you. For me, it was the refrigerator. I oh, I could have swore I always used to hear this like noise come out of the refrigerator, and this shit would make me scared as shit. Like I would turn off my TV in the living room and go upstairs. Like I would not want to stay downstairs as soon as I heard that noise. Until I got older, I figured out what it was. Do you know what it was? What? The ice it's machine? The ice, the ice yeah, machine. That makes sense. Uh, it's just, you know, when the ice drops, it makes that noise. But that shit used to freak me to freak out when I was younger. Yeah. That in the scene of, like, him when he sets up, like, the Christmas tree and all the things, like, mechanical with the strings to make it look like he has people in the house. That, right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's a classic moment from this movie as well. It's, it's so many iconic, like, moments in... And images from this movie, like like, and you did when we opened this, like him putting the aftershave on his face and screaming, like this motion. Everybody know, like that's the first thing you think to this day when I put on aftershave and have to rub it in my face like that. I think about Home Alone. Yeah, it's so it's so iconic. So many iconic scenes and 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 lines from this movie. And I'm sure people have seen this movie a hundred thousand times and they know literally every aspect of it. So some of the things I want to Bring up maybe some of the things that people didn't know. For example, you talked a little bit about Old Man Marley. Old Man Marley in the original script was not in this movie. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes. So the reason they put him in, which to me makes a lot of sense. They said without Old Man Marley's character, Kevin, if you really look at him, he's kind of a little kind of a dick. Yeah. I mean, he's a little not twerk. kind of. He is. He's a pain in the yeah. He's a pain in the ass. But by adding Old Man Marley and having Kevin be scared of him and kind of in fearful of him and then later on they have that moment in the church it give gives kevin some innocence mm. oh here's this little kid that's scared of this old man next door and that's kind of why they inserted him into the movie he wasn't originally in the movie that makes sense. as a matter of fact um i know i'm jumping way ahead but i mean every, at this point there's like no spoil you can do freaking on a movie like 29 years later yeah. so the ending of the movie really the movie was supposed to end with kevin um when his dad was like what he did all what he have been doing all the time he just says oh just hanging around and that was supposed to be the end of the movie. But, of course, they ended up, they put in Old Man Marley, and then we got the scene that we got from the original movie. Okay. That, that, that's, okay. I like that. I like that. What, um, like, in, what, what, were the burglars always meant to be as, as pivotal of a role as they were in the, in the movie? For, from what I said, yeah, they were. They were all supposed to be that way. But there's some things that I, even seen this movie a thousand times, I didn't realize. The van that they were driving with, did you catch the name on the van? Uh-uh. Okay Plumbing. And they're known as the Wet Bandits. So it was so ironic that on the side <laughs> of the van, That's Okay funny. Plumbing. So I thought that was funny. Um, one thing that just, I don't know why this just came into my head, but if we don't talk about this, because people say a million things. You could talk about a million different things about Home Alone. But the one thing that no one ever says, and it is so friggin' underrated, and I know you're a musical guy, but the the score and the soundtrack of this movie is freaking iconic. Yeah. Shout outs to John Williams because the theme, the Home Alone theme is so iconic. I forgot the name of the the, the song. It's like uh, Memory, something along the lines of Memory. Um, 
somebody in a memory, something like that. But John Williams is so iconic. And without the score and the and the uh, soundtrack, I'm not saying this movie wouldn't be successful, but the score and the soundtrack ha- like has a lot to play with it, especially that that main theme. Every time I hear that, I, I immediately get the feels because it brings me back to a time when I was a kid and a Christmas time. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, John Candy is in this movie. Oh, yes. But we can't go without mentioning John Candy. John Candy, to Cut me... Flint. Is a is a comedy fucking is an acting legend, and uh, from Chicago. So my dad, like my dad, oh is, really? My dad's Chicago. Everything. So like, John Candy was like John Candy, <laughs> and and uh, the fucking uh, Belushi's were like fucking legends in my house growing up. Um, so yeah, it, 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 seeing him in this movie, like when and rewatching it, getting ready for this, it was just like one of those things, and. You know what? He's not. He's actually not from Chicago. So I take that back. Um, oh, okay, okay. He's he's from he's Canadian. Uh, I don't know where I got that. Really? From. Yeah, John Candy's what Canadian. What the hell? Did not know that. Yeah, but uh, I mean, John Candy died in 1994, so he died four years after this movie came out, which yeah, is just lost. crazy to me. Is the fact that we lost John Candy, but we have to we have to eventually review a John Candy movie because I don't want to sidetrack this with talking a lot about him. But there's so much that I think that people pick up on now. comedy wise like in movies like little reactions and things that he did that started with him that he doesn't get credit for like i honestly think and people may take take uh issue with this or whatnot but seth rogan early on tried to imitate john candy so much agreed Agreed. so much to me and people people don't think about that anymore and it's like we can't forget our legends I, i i hate it when we do that Exactly, and I, I I don't want to get too much into it, but Chris Farley, uh, same thing. I mean, they, yeah. some of these guys were like legends people don't talk about, but while we're on this giving John Candy shine, just three topics or three points I want to make real quick. Number one, he shot all of his scenes in literally one day, 23 hours, wow. one day. That's number one. Number two, the original script. The script, did you know how many lines John Candy had in the in the script? If I had to guess, like... Did they wait? This is my question. Did they know he, John Candy was going to be playing this role initially? Yeah, I think they asked him because what happened was he was in Uncle Buck, which was before this. Okay. And jo- I think John Hughes or Chris Columbus, one of them, were behind. I want to say John Hughes was behind Uncle Buck. So I think they asked him to do do you know do a part a cameo in this movie. Okay. And um, so, how many lines do you think he had in the movie? I would go on record for saying right now, I think he probably had two. He has zero lines. Wow. Every line in this movie, 100% is improvised. Every one of them? Every And that's why this man line. is a fucking legend. Every line. And if you notice, every scene he was in was with Catherine O'Hara, which is yeah. the mom, which is, uh, I forget her first name. Uh, I forget her first name in the movie, but Mr. Couser, Kevin's mom. Because they were really good friends. She actually gave the eulogy at his funeral. They were. She, he wanted all the scenes to be in it. And you talk about this man being amazing. None more amazing than this fact. What do you think he made on this movie? 23 hours, one day. Nothing. Zero. He said, I'm going to do it for free. Wow. That's it. That's John Candy right there. And that's why that man is a legend. Like, like sir, maybe we need to do Uncle Buck. as, a, as, a, as a, Like, put that on the retro list when we get into retros. We have Absolutely. to do it because I really want to spend some time talking about Uncle Buck. Like I said, I don't want to completely sidetrack this review because I can I can gush about, over that man all, all day. And I don't care. No homo. I don't care how that sounds. Seriously, because I think the man is an acting legend. Uh, you mentioned sure. Catherine O'Hara. While she is old as shit now, she still got those gift vibes, bro, bro, brother. 
Really? Gil, Gil vibes, yeah. Come on, now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just serious? fucking with you. I'm just fucking oh, with no, you. Oh no, you. Here's the thing, guys. He's not fucking with me. He's dead ass right no, now. You, now, come on now. You know if I, you know I'm all about that creep life. If I was serious, <laughs> I have no problem saying it. <laughs> no, no. The, you know who? You know who? The only, the only chick in this, in this movie. I would say the oldest cousin. The one that did the head count. Oh yeah. As a kid, bro, I was like, okay, yeah. I, I don't even know what the hell her name is, but yeah, I mean, um, if you want to talk, you know, hashtag creep life. As a kid, that was that was the one person. But um, yeah, I mean, we we talked a lot about John Candy, but yeah, he absolute legend. And um, you know, a lot of just so many, so much shit. I mean, we could literally do a three hour podcast just about all the different, you know, all the different things. How about what kind of horrible parents are Kevin's parents? Number one, they forget the kid home. This is the youngest child, mind you. That's yeah. I don't. I'm not a parent. You're a parent, so you could probably answer this question. But I would assume if I'm a parent of multiple kids, the one I'm paying the most attention to is the youngest child. Oh yeah, because they're the ones that they they will wander off and stuff like that. Um. So yeah, the, like his parents are terrible. He's a young psychopath. So like a sociopath. He's both probably. Uh. So like they're just they they're they're raising a bunch of murderers at, at this point in that house. Um. But yeah, I mean it it I. You know, you have to have those those uh, contrivances that are going to set up the, the plot because there's no way in hell that you would get all the way. Like, I get it that the older cousin doing the head count and thinking that the, the one cousin was a member of the, I mean, the next door neighbor. I get that. But at the same time, once you make it to the airport, there's no way in hell you're going to forget that your kid, you're not going to notice your kid's not there. Like, exactly. A, he didn't ask you for shit. You guys didn't try to feed these little bastards, nothing like any, you didn't realize until you were on the plane. Even when even when they're on the plane before they take off, I'm gonna make before I even sit down. I'm gonna make sure I'm, I don't care how old they are. Yeah. I'm gonna make sure all my kids are, are good. Um. So yeah. Also, you mentioned the kid next door. Uh, want to say his name was Mitch Murphy, the one who they accidentally counted. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, this kid was also in the running to be Kevin McAllister. That makes sense. And Macaulay Culkin beat him out, so they still gave him a little role. Um. Shit, this movie would have been so, no offense to this kid, but. I think this movie would have been totally different had he been casted versus Macaulay Culkin because I don't see much to him. I mean, we only saw him in like a you know one sec, uh, one minute scene. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he was a, he was. I don't think he he definitely didn't have the screen presence of a of a Macaulay Culkin. And I think I know it's weird to say about a character that literally was probably on screen for like two minutes total, but like. He just like his voice was annoying. Like he just didn't have the the gravita. I guess is what we're what we're looking sure. for. Um, and let's I guess that's a perfect segue into into get into Macaulay Culkin as an actor. Like the role of Kevin McAllister is perfect for him. I don't know how close this was to his personality as a kid for real. He embodied this role. Um, I can't imagine anybody else playing this. We'll talk. I got I got some news on that. We'll talk about it uh, at the end of this. But but do you is, did it surprise you? Does it surprise you now? Hindsight twenty twenty that Macaulay Culkin's career was really nothing outside of Home Alone. I mean, he had this, he had The Good Son to... Um, my Girl. My Girl. Well, of course, that's that's an iconic role as well. But, like, you would think, like, his comedic timing, his his reactional ca- comedy and everything, that he would at least had a had a role in being in comedy movies for the next 20 years, and he really didn't. Like, after, after The Good Son is really where everything fell off for him. I mean, he had Richie Rich, too. I don't know how much of a success Richie Rich was. That was in 1994. I love by the way. I, I, I loved it, too. Uh, but I just don't know how much of a success it was because they didn't bring him back for the sequel. But, like, sure. really... After Richie Rich, if we're counting that in 1994, he completely fell off the face of the earth. So we're really talking about, as a kid, he had a four-year stretch, and that's it. I think one of the major 
reasons, and I don't know how you know how much people know of this, but this dude had a really fucked up life outside yeah. of the screen. Like his parents were like one of those money hungry parents, and a lot of fighting. I think his parents ended up getting a divorce, and he was in the middle of it. So like. That's why, like, I think he got away from acting all altogether. He, um, and I think up until now, he uh, he has like a little underground band, and they, I mean, it's not little. What am I saying? It's little. I mean, they have underground brown, and they do their tours and stuff like that. He's more into music than he is in movies now, and he's just really done with movies. And forget about movies. He's just kind of done with Home Alone. Like, he does interviews. You see him do interviews, and people ask about Home Alone, and he's like, oh, I really don't want to talk about it. I mean, and everyone always tries to get him to do that iconic hands on the face scream and he will not do it. He doesn't give even give a shit who it is. Even if it's freaking Jimmy Fallon, if it's Ellen, he doesn't care who it is. He will he's just absolutely over home alone. And I can see that, but in a way it kind of pisses me off because like, bro, that's the that's the franchise that made you. Yeah. So I, I see both ways. He's fed up with it. It's been twenty nine years already. But at the same time, that's what made him. I mean just last summer though he did the commercial where he where he was a grown up Kevin McAllister. But did he do the, the the yell? No, he didn't do the yell. But he did he did uh, show up as Kevin McAllister there. But yeah, I mean, you're right. He did have a, ro- a rough childhood, and that's what sucks about a lot of these child actors. I really don't think, like with the way they have everything set up now, I don't think that that could happen to the extent that it happened to a lot of the younger kids in our like as we were growing up. He's 39 right. year, years old now, and that kind of segues into the thing that I want to talk about next. Unless you have anything left on Macaulay Culkin that you want to talk about. Uh, no, I'm Macaulay Culkin. I don't really have. That's pretty much it okay. for him specifically in terms of acting and stuff like that. So one thing that we've we've talked about is Disney Plus. So Disney does own Home Alone now. They've already said they that they are going to reboot the franchise as a Disney Plus streaming service. That doesn't know if it's movies or television shows. I would love to see him come back as the dad of the kid who gets left home alone at this point but i'll I'll be i'll sign off on that but who's gonna be the lead i mean hopefully they cast they cast a kid that we don't know at this point yeah you know who could play his son though we're gonna say the same fucking answer jack tremblay yeah that's exactly who i was thinking i mean that's exactly after seeing him in good boys like really after seeing him in good boys and even kind of, he doesn't look exactly like Macaulay Culkin, but you can see him playing the that son of Macaulay look. Culkin. Yeah, and I and he has comedy, he has actual acting chops. Obviously, in Good Boys, he showed that he has comedy chops. I would, I, I, I think that's the perfect one. Now it is a Disney Plus streaming service, so we don't know how much money they're putting in it. Jack Tremblay is really blowing up as a, as a child actor now, so we don't know. But one thing that we talked about when we talked about Disney Plus is they are putting movie budgets behind some of these series there so maybe it's maybe it's a chance yeah but whoever does that man they have some gigantic shoes to fill because macaulay culkin i mean i mean this man was was nominated for a freaking um academy award for a freaking oscar for this role so he didn't win it but shit i mean the fact that he was even nominated you know is huge i mean He's a freaking 10-year-old kid and getting, you know, nominated for something like this. So that was crazy. One thing I want to bring up, though, because you, for a part of time, you used to live in Chicago, correct? No, my dad's from Chicago. I never Your lived dad's in Chicago. From, I keep making Chicago. that mistake. Yeah. Your dad was from Chicago, but I have to ask you, are the cops really that horrible there? Because they call, the, the parents call the, the cops. Number one, the cop comes to the house. You're doing a welfare check on a freaking, in the movie, Kevin McAllister's supposed to be eight years old. Uh-huh. You just knock the door one time. You see all the lights on. You just knock the door one time. And it's like, eh, and never mind, and leave. And then when he calls, when she calls, like, the crisis hotline or whoever, 
No one actually gives a shit. The one guy cares more about his donut. The lady cares more about wrapping her gifts. Yeah. No one gives any fucks about this eight-year-old kid. What does that say about the Chicago PD, bro? I, I mean, I have uncles that are in Chicago PD. Uh, Dad's talking shit, which is a member of the Breaks Media. Our police officers in Chicago, too. I would like to say it's nothing like that now a days. But you got to remember, like, this is the 90s bro 1990 so not even the 90s this is the turn into the 90 uh but there it was a lot like think about it bro like just a couple years removed from that like even if we go five years back in time from 1990 into like 85 this is when people were living like leaving like their eight nine year olds to watch their younger siblings as they went while they went to work so they're that probably like, they're probably like hey i mean fuck it he's home he got y'all got food in the house right he's okay you good <laughs> yeah i feel that now, another thing I wanted to ask you about, because we talked a little bit about things that a lot of people don't really talk about when they review this or even just bullshitting, talking about it, you know, like the score. But another thing I wanted to talk about that I thought was amazing was the cinematography. Mm -hmm. um, we got a lot of, of scenes where it was kind of a POV from like Kevin's point of view. And I enjoyed the, the cinematography in this movie. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, it was a beautifully shot movie. I think that... Uh... Like, some of the angles, of course, that they got, like, especially outside and, like, some of the views of, like, Kevin running. Like, the whole thing of him sliding through the ice. Oh, yeah. That was shot beautifully. Like, that tracking shots and everything. So, um, and they didn't have a, the technology that we have nowadays. Yeah, it was it was a, a wonderfully shot movie. That and the sequel. And we're not talking about Home Alone 2 tonight. But I think Home Alone 2, while it's not as good of a movie, it's a better looking movie in a lot of ways. Oh, 100%. I, I think it's just a touch under in terms of ratings under Home Alone 1, but visually, I think it's definitely a better movie. I don't know if it's because it was shot in New York. That's my hometown. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it was definitely a, a better shot uh, movie. Do you think with the cinematography, and not even the cinematography, just as a whole, this movie was shot 29 years ago. We've seen, I, personally, I've seen so many movies shot 20, 30, 40 years ago that I watch back today. I'm like, this is absolute shit. Do you think this movie ages well? Because I say 100% yes. I do. And, like, I watched this on a on a Blu-ray upgrade. So it was a 4K upgrade. And it looked... And I think this is where... Like, me and you have had this conversation a little bit before. Like, A, there's no CGI in this movie. And right. I think, like, movies that have no, no reliance on CGI at all. Like, a lot of movies... Almost every movie we watch nowadays has some type of enhancement through CGI. It's stuff that we may not even know. Like, if, even if it's not, like, a fully CGI character, they go in and they add some CGI to stuff. But because they don't do that, like, it wasn't available um, back then. It probably was, but they didn't. There's no reason to use it. It makes the only thing that dates this movie is the technology and the, the TVs, the fact there's no cell sure. phones. That's the only thing that dates this movie. If you look at this 4K transfer on this movie, you would probably think that it that it looked that it was made. There's no reason to think that it wasn't made nowadays. You know, you just said something and I kind of I kind of had uh, an idea. This movie, though, like you said, like a lot of the technology if they did have the technology, would this movie really work? Because if there was internet, if there were cell phones, you're right. If there was Alexa, would it really work? See, in that, it. it is an author of all of the lights in the major, featuring Nas and Lily Doe. <laughs> you know what that was? That's Alexa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but, funny shit. But um, that that's a great point because you didn't think about because nowadays you have to think. Even if I, like, for example, left, uh, let's not say Xavier because he's 13. For, for reason, we left Alana home. 
She has a cell phone. She's going to call us before we make it halfway up the street to let us know she got left. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it could happen. Like, they're doing the reboot, so we'll see. Like, they, they have so many contrivances now. Like, oh, well, the cell phone reception is out because of the snowstorm. Like, they can do, you can do stuff like that to make it make sense. But that makes it, that honestly makes it even more terrifying. Like, you think, like, Home Alone set in nowadays, and if, like, the reason he can't contact his parents is because there's a snowstorm and he has no cell phone reception. Like, that's that's kind of terrifying, right? Actually, though, at the same time, they can pull it off. You know why? Because maybe he does not want to contact his parents. Because remember, in his head, he thinks he made his family disappear. True. So he's all he. Because remember that he had a big argument with his parents and and his family right before you know the the day before. So he even if you know he did did have a phone. In his mind, they didn't leave him home alone. They he they're just gone. So yeah, yeah I, I don't want anything to do with them anyway. Let them be gone. Yeah. But. The parents also would at some point call him on his cell phone. Exactly. You know, so then that yeah. So I don't know yeah. how they would put something we'll, like that. We'll off. see. The reboot's coming, so we'll see how they do it. I I'm I, I can't wait to reboot of this. Honestly, I think it's long overdue. I'm surprised they didn't do more sequels. Home Alone three. They did a bunch, I think, though. Yeah, they only did three. No, they did four. No, they did no, they did they did was, five. But, no, was it there was a Home Alone five? There was a Home Alone three, Home Alone four, and Home Alone five was in two thousand twelve. Remember Home Alone three was the one where Macaulay Culkin wasn't in it. Right, the then, kid, that was a reboot, I believe, because I think the kid's name was Kevin McAllister. Okay, so I not a reboot, but maybe like a sequel. I don't know. If Macaulay Culkin wasn't in it, I didn't see nothing. It ain't real, It's not real. Uh, but you know, you mentioned something about CGI, and I just want to go through a couple quick things. Because they had that eighteen million dollar budget, they weren't they were kind of strapped for cash. Obviously, eighteen million dollars is really peanuts when you're making a movie. So a lot of the things they had to do, like for example, a lot of the shots, like Marv getting shot in the in the head. That was they actually outsourced a guy, a, a local guy in Chicago, to do a lot of the the, the visuals. They would pay him like three, four, five hundred dollars a pop to do different visuals, like the whole thing with Marv's head getting caught on fire. That was just a visual effect. It wasn't really Marv's head. It was like a superimposed type of thing, and they were just paying this guy because they didn't have they didn't have a big budget and um, a lot of different things they did. And it, you see, because CGI actually was not around in 1990, even like Marv. Um, where we got the, the the spider on Mars' face. First of all, that spider wasn't poison. Uh, it wasn't extract. They didn't extract poison there, so it was po- the the spider was poisonous. But Marv agreed to do it. But Marv was like, "Listen, there's one catch. We're doing this take one time, and I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore." And they told him, "You cannot yell or scream or do any anything crazy, or you will get bitten." So when they did the this role or this scene, it was one take, and Marv actually doesn't yell. The yell you hear, Marv, that's done in post, where it's a pre-recorded yell because he couldn't yell, or else the spider might have bitten him. And yeah, they just did it on one take. But again, this all has to do with CGI. When he stepped on the nail going up the steps in the in the um, basement, he, the nail was a rubber foot. So I mean, be. I'm sorry, the nail was a rubber nail. Yeah. So because there was no CGI back then, so I had to improvise. That makes sense, and this and that's why I and like I said in the discussion, like. CGI is best used when it's it used to enhance a practical effect. Like, but well, well that's again, I don't want to get sidetracked with that. But that's why these these older movies age so perfectly well. So, talking about booby traps and all these traps, what was your favorite trap in this one? It had to be the blowtorch to the head, bro. Oh yeah, I'm hundred percent for this. Iconic, man. It's I, like every every time I to this day when I watch the movie, as it's leading up to that, I just and this may be the psychopath in me. I get giddy, like, oh, here it comes, 
here it comes, here it comes. Like, because it, it, like his scream afterwards, too, when he turned, like, it's just all perfect. Yeah, his facial and yeah. his scream. But just imagine if Kevin, like, forgot to, like, dismantle all these all these traps and, like, the mom comes up, I'm like, Kevin, where are you? And then you just see a paint can fly down and hit it right in the head. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, yeah, but going through the, the, the booby traps, yeah, 100%, I would say the, the, the blowtorch is definitely the best one. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Pesci, man. Pesci's a fucking icon, bro. So icon. So my, my thing, too. too, is, like, how how perfectly did he have to have that blowtorch? Like, he, it's like, if it wasn't Pesci who was there because he's so short, if it was if it was Marv, Marv's face would have been on fire. Exactly. Exactly. He, that's murder. That's murder. Yeah. Like, Kevin but McAllister it, is a murderer, people. It was all, like, almost <laughs> attempted murder. Almost all of it was attempted murder. And that's why they were like, you know what? This dude could have actually grew up to be Jigsaw. Yeah, Kevin like, McAllister. Kevin is probably Jigsaw. grew up to be like a freaking sociopath or a psychopath yeah. or both, you know. And see, and that's what happened. I guarantee you, what happened is that he did end up committing a murder as a kid, and then part of it, when he got out of jail, he had to change his name because I forgot what Jigsaw's actual name was, and that's then he was Jigsaw. Forget. There you yeah. Go. You, yeah. You yeah. You're damn right. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Bobby. <laughs> it's crazy the theories and shit that people come up with, man. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man. You got anything left? Yeah, so I want to do something real quick, just for fun, just for the hell of it. And you you probably, because you're a fan of this movie, so I'm sure you know a lot of this shit. But maybe for the people that don't, I want to just go through some of the theories that people have about these movies. And I just want to hear your quick thoughts on them. I'm not going to go through the whole list. There's like a hundred of these things, but I'm just going to go through um, some of like kind of my my favorite ones. And we actually touched on some of them, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead. Now, the first one is... The old man Marley character, I don't know if you heard this, but they are, some of the theories are the old man uh, Marley character is actually Kevin from the future that has come back in time trying to warn Kevin to be a better person. Okay. What do you think? Uh, that, it's possible. We kind of look like Jigsaw, so it's possible. Right. Now, there's another one, but I'm going to leave that one for the end. There's two of them that I'm going to leave for the end. Um, the, uh, the next one that I want to talk about is... Um, um, from uh, Uncle Frank. There's a couple of things that's saying that Uncle Frank, and actually, before I say this, let me rewind for a second. In the original script, I forgot to mention this. In the original script, Uncle Frank, who has been an asshole to Kevin the entire movie, even when Kevin's mom realizes they forgot him home, puts it line like, well, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses home. Mm-hmm. He was a total ass towards Kevin. They said that Uncle Frank actually put a hit on Kevin and hired the wet bandits to do this. That's a fan theory. And actually in the original script, that was part of the original script, but they felt like that might be a little too dark for a comedy. Uh-huh. So they took that out. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's really strange. That's dead ass too. Not even a joke. <laughs> That's for real. They took That's a hit out on Kevin on a kid. Yeah. yeah, bro. That was in the original script. Like he set up the wet Marv and Harry to come after Kevin and kill Kevin. Like, put a hit on Kevin. That was in the original script. And I'm not sure where their heads are at when they thought about this original script because this was supposed to be like a lighthearted comedy. And then, like, you got your uncle putting a hit on an eight-year-old kid. That's funny. It was weird. That's funny. All right. What else you got? And then another one was Kevin's dad um, left him home alone because he was training him to be a, a secret agent. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on that one? Get off the internet, people. Get off the <laughs> internet. 
And um, the last one, there's a, a million more of these, but the number one one that I want to talk about, because before even seeing the theories, this is one thing I kept on asking a million times. Your dad is from Chicago, so obviously you visited Chicago. That house that they live in is an amazingly beautiful house. Mm-hmm. Got to be a million dollar, million multi-million dollar house. They never say what his parents do for a living. His uncle Rob, who in part one lives in Paris, paid for all their tickets to fly to Paris. That's not that's not an you know a cheap um, uh, bill. Mm-hmm. Number two. In addition to that, we found out in Home Alone 2, he also has a house in New York. So Rob has Uncle Rob has money. That's the that's that's Kevin's dad, uh, his brother. So really, what the hell do these people do for a living? Now, according to the fan theory, they say that Kevin McAllister's dad is in the mafia. He's he's, and, he's an accountant for the Chicago mafia. And you know what? Of all these freaking fan theories, that's the one I can see a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the thing is, um, I don't know how many people have seen Sopranos, but he was in John Hurd, which is Kevin's dad in the movie, you know, his real name. He was in Sopranos. I don't remember what his role was, but I remember seeing him in Sopranos. So um, I just thought it was funny when I saw that, like, imagine Kevin's dad is in the freaking um, in the freaking mafia. And that's how he has his money and his his brother. That's how he has all this money to do all this shit and live in a nice house and all this stuff. That's not surprising to me at all. And yeah, that's just a little thing I wanted to throw in there. And yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, again, we're going to talk hours and hours and hours about this movie, but I'm sure so many people have heard about it. But better yet, I want to hear what people think about this movie and and what their thoughts are. And, and, you know, is this something like for me? I don't know about you. And I guess this is my last closing question to you, CEO Hayes. I have a special rotation that and I just only thought about it now that every year around Christmas, I kind of listen to or watch the same movies over and over, and my, those movies for me are uh, Christmas with the Cranks. Um, even though people say this movie sucks, I love it. Jingle all the way, uh, Home Alone one and Home Alone two, and my most favorite Christmas movie that I see at least three four times every year is A Christmas Story. That's like my holiday, my Christmas rotation. What about you? Christmas Story and Die Hard. You keep saying Die Hard all the time, and I understand. Yes, fine, I'll give it to you. It's a Christmas movie, but it's not a traditional Christmas movie. It's not, but that's that's my. Neither is Jingle All the Way, but yeah. What? It is a traditional that Christmas shit, movie. That shit is Christmas. corny. Anything with Arnold Schwarzenegger is cor- like it, he's not the Terminator. Corny, but uh, nah. <laughs> like I can't believe some of the lines they try to have Arnold Schwarzenegger. I get it; he came a long way as an actor by the time of that movie, but. Man, was that some of that shit cringe worthy? But yeah, uh, even Sinbad saved that shit. Yeah, that shit. But I love it. I love it. Cringe worthy and all. Yeah, but that's it for me, bro. I got nothing. Yeah, let's close it up. All right. Well, you guys know where you can follow me. You can follow me at CEO Hayes. That's CEO H A I Z E. Where can they follow you, JB? I can be reached on Twitter at the P1JB, at T-H-E-P1JB. You can also find me on Facebook. Just hit us up on our Facebook group, The Film Frequency, uh, our discussion group, and uh, yeah. And that's it. Follow us collectively at The Film Bros, and that's it. We're out this week. Peace. Peace.